Well, good afternoon, everyone. So as Norman said, our subject is why do I need Jesus in my life? And if you were to take that little phrase there and put that into your internet search engine, uh, you would you would get 149 million results back uh, with answers uh, to that sort of question. And it would also uh, it would also suggest that maybe you would also like to search for I need Jesus back in my life or I need Jesus to help me. So subjects like this, questions like this are things that people are asking. Uh, they're things that people on the internet are writing about. They're trying to give answers to. And you can also, if you were to delve a little bit deeper, you'd see subsets of these sort of questions like I've received Jesus, but my life doesn't seem any different. Why? Or I don't know how to get my relationship with God back. Now, as I said, there's 149 million pages we could go through there. Uh, I think I looked through about five. Um, I think even from just looking at those five results, there there's many different answers. Uh, some have got related answers, some are completely different. But what I'd like to do today uh, in the time we have is look at three possible reasons today. Um, three which cover slight, there's an overlap between all of them, but they cover maybe slightly different types of people that might be asking the questions. So the three, the three, um, three, um, the three reasons we'll look at today are firstly, because I'm a sinner. Secondly, because I don't know what's happening in the world. And thirdly, because I don't want death to be the end. So we'll look at a few Bible references uh, to each of these. Uh, and hopefully, from what we read, um, we'll hopefully be able to answer some of the questions which, uh, which I've mentioned. So our first one, um, because I am a sinner. Now, what does this mean? Well, sin is simply disobeying the law of God. And that's what mankind did. Mankind disobeyed the law of God. So if you've still got Romans 6 open, keep your finger in there. We'll be back there in a second. But we'll flick back to Genesis chapter 3, just right to the beginning of the Bible. Um, just to see how quickly mankind disobeyed God. So Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we have the account of creation. We've got um, the very famous account of how God created the earth in uh, six days and rested on the seventh. Um, and then he created mankind. And we come into chapter three, where we have a serpent tempting Eve. Um, and Eve and Adam disobeyed God and they committed the first sin. And God punishes them because they disobeyed him. And he lists the curses uh, in chapter three. But... God loved the world and he didn't leave that as, as that. He didn't, he didn't say, well, mankind have dis disobeyed me, that's enough. He gave a way out. Let's read verse 14 of uh, Genesis chapter 3. This is God speaking to the serpent. He says, Cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. 
well, maybe at first reading there isn't much in that, but um, there's a there's actually a promise within there, and you know I could go and try and explain it, but fortunately we get a very simple explanation in Galatians chapter three. Um, we get Paul writing to the Galatians here, and he explains it in a much better way, a much simpler way than I could. So let's just go to Galatians chapter three and read what Paul says. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, sorry, Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say unto seeds, meaning many people, but to, but unto your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. So this builds on what we've got in Genesis. It's talking here about uh, the promises to Abraham. But what we have here is... Uh, it, it talks about a single seed and it tells us who that seed is it tells us that that is Jesus and it's through Jesus which we can have our sins forgiven so although all mankind sins through Jesus we can be saved so if you've still got your finger in Romans let's head back there and expand on this idea of Jesus being able to forgive sins and to save us. So let's go in at the end of Romans chapter 5. Uh, we, could, we could really start uh, quite a bit further back in Romans, but uh, for time reasons, we'll just head in at verse 19 of Romans 5. We've already looked at the background to what this is talking about with Adam. Um, it says in verse 19, for just as through the disobedience of one man, that's Adam, the many, were made, the, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. And that's Jesus it's talking about. Verse 20 continues, the law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we've read there, sin entered the world through Adam, but now through the perfect obedience of Jesus, mankind can be made righteous. And a, a very simple way to think about righteousness is that it's the opposite of sin. Um, it's, it's a way that we can be reconciled with God, even though uh, we do wrong. Jesus he was a man and he could have sinned but he didn't he died he was crucified in the most horrendous way but he died without sinning and so God's he raised him from the dead because he didn't deserve to die so Jesus did this but it's not just as simple as Jesus doing that and then everybody's saved we need to choose to follow Jesus and we read all about that in, uh, in chapter 6, let's just pick a few verses out that we've already read in our opening reading. Verse, verse 5 of Romans 6. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. 
So some of the key terms we can pick out there is united in baptism, freed from sin. And probably one of the most famous verses in Romans is the last, the last verse of this chapter. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's quite simple really, isn't it? Although we sin and therefore de deserve to die, through the gift of God, through God's love, we can have eternal life because of Christ Jesus. If we follow Jesus, we can be saved from sin. And I've said that we're sinners, but you know, be after, what we're told here in Romans chapter 6 is that after you've been baptised, you're no longer counted as a sinner. You're someone who can be made righteous through the gift of God. Of course, yes, we will sin. We're humans. We'll continue to sin, but we can be forgiven for that sin. So we're not classified as sinners anymore. And we've touched on God's love for the world. One of the most famous verses in the Bible is John chapter 3, verse 16. God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And through this way he gave mankind a way to be saved from sin is something which should concern us, isn't it? It's if we don't want to be sinners and if we want to be saved, then we need to obey God and we need to listen to what his son says. So I would suggest that this is the first reason why I need Jesus in my life. Our second reason, because I don't know what's happening in the world. Think about what's happened in the, in the past few weeks in the news. We've had Britain starting airstrikes uh, against Islamic State in Syria. We've got Russia sending tanks to the Syria front line, which is making a whole heap of nations around that area, especially Israel, very nervous. We've had the horrific attacks in Paris uh, and the United States. There's many gun, many gun attacks, I think, we hear about in the USA especially. We've got the Syrian refugee crisis. We've got continual problems in the Middle East. And even taking away human factors, think of all the natural disasters we hear about. Think of the things like the the uh, the climate change. Um, just yesterday there was a, a big summit in Paris to discuss how to move forward uh, within the world uh, because of uh, the fear of global warming and 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 things like that. And you might ask the question, oh, how do I make sense of it all? Um, you might ask, why is this happening? Well. The Bible gives some very clear answers on this, and Jesus tells us exactly why this is happening. You, Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13 are all discourses from Jesus about the end of the end of time, um, when when there will be many wars. And if we let's let's choose Mark 13 and have a look at that. We've got here all the different signs at the end of the age, as, as my Bible titles it. Verse 7 of Mark chapter 13 says, When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. 
Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. The things here that are being talked about by Jesus, what, 2,000 years ago? They're the sort of things which have been happening throughout the ages. They're the sort of things we hear about uh, we hear about now, even the past few weeks. You can read verse, uh, verse 14 down to verse 19 in your own time, but really what that's talking about or what it's making clear is the distress which people will be feeling at this time. It says how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Verse 19, because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning. These are the things which Jesus forewarns us about. All these years ago, he tells us that these things will happen, but not to be alarmed. He also gives us great hope in this message. Verse 26 at that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. He will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds and the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. So we shouldn't be alarmed when we hear about these things. We're told that Jesus is going to come again. To build on that, let's go to... 2 Timothy 3. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 about all the different perilous times that will come. He's, he tells Timothy what the world will be like around his time and what's what the world will be like in, in years to come. But he gives a message to Timothy about how to move beyond this, how to respond to what's happening. He says, verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul here, he speaks to Timothy, tells, he tells Timothy, don't be afraid, if you have faith in Jesus, then everything's going to be fine. He says, if you make the scripture your life, then you will be thoroughly equipped for serving God and for serving Jesus. In Second Peter chapter 3, we have a similar idea. Second Peter 3 and verse 3 and 4 says, First of all, you must understand that in the last day, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's words, the heavens existed and earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. 
by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So people may doubt Jesus will return. It has been 2,000 years, but it's very clear here, isn't it? That we're told not to worry. It's something that will happen, just like way back in the days of Noah, when the whole earth was flooded and only Noah and his family were saved. We're reminded how quickly the world can change. But we're also given that message of hope that God isn't slow in keeping his promise. He's patient and he is waiting for everyone who wants to, to come to repentance so that they can be saved through the name of Jesus. So Jesus here, Jesus, as we read in, in, um, in Mark, he tells us not to be scared if we follow him. And, you know, we could go to lots of other different passages, d different prophecies in the Bible about the, the end of this time. But really, I guess, in, in summary for this part, I would suggest that the state of the world shouldn't really come to us, to us as a surprise if we've read passages like this. We've only gone to three passages here, but it shouldn't be a surprise to us, the state of the world. We're told that this is going to happen, and we're told that if we follow Jesus, we shouldn't be scared. So this is our second reason why I need Jesus. So our final reason is because I don't want death to be the end. And we could rephrase this as because I want eternal life, or maybe just simply because I don't want to die. And the Bible is very clear on this, that eternal life is possible and it's offered by Jesus to those who love him and serve him. We've already um, we've quoted John chapter 3 verse 16 and we've already been to Romans chapter 6, but there's plenty of other places we can go. So let's just have a, a look at three different passages um, just to build on this idea. So we'll start off in John chapter 5. In John chapter 5 we have Jesus speaking to his disciples and he says in verse 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. The dead will rise and hear the voice of Jesus. We've got this great hope here, don't we? But also we have a warning in verse 29, that 
these people will be raised to judgment. Those who have done good in their lives will be raised to life, whereas those who have done evil arise to be condemned. Jesus here gives us this hope. And if we go to Romans chapter 8, Paul expands on this. Romans 8 verse 38 For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither heights nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even death, this is saying. Because Jesus loved, because God loved the world, he's given his only son. He's given Jesus, and it's through Jesus we can have hope in eternal life. That's the reason why we need Jesus in our life. And we could go, I'd suggest you go to 1 Corinthians 15 in your own time. Uh, it's, a, it's a fairly long chapter, but it talks all about the resurrection. It talks about the resurrection of, of Jesus and it talks about the hope that others have in this resurrection because of what Jesus did. So death shouldn't scare us if we have this hope. But in order to have this hope, we need to live our life in the right way. Practical ways. For example, we have to follow the commandments which Jesus gave us. No need to go here, but Matthew 22, verse 36 Jesus replies, or sorry, verse 36 is the teacher of the last, and Jesus what the greatest commandment is. Verse 37, Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. These are the sort of things we have to do in our life. So that... When it comes round to that time, when the when those are raised and, and judged, we want to be raised and judged to have done good. The parable Jesus tells us in Matthew 25 about the sheep and the goats, uh, where he separates the sheep and the goats and talks about all the deeds which these people did. Things like, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. They are the positive things that are said to the people who did good. And the inverse of those is said to those who did evil. And of course, we want to be in the list of people that did good things. These are the sort of things we have to do in our lives. These are how we have to show love to our neighbour. And if this is how we live our life, then even when or if we die before Jesus returns, we know that we'll be resurrected to judgment. And if we have followed Jesus, that that's the gift of God is eternal life on this earth. So this is our third reason why we need Jesus. So in conclusion, we've touched on our, my final question. So what must I do and how must I respond? We've got to follow Jesus and his example. He will help us in our lives. 
in Matthew chapter 11, that's really the final passage we'll look at. Jesus tells us how he, help, he will help us. Verse 28 of Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is offering to help us. He's overcome all the challenges he had in his life, and now he's able to help us with ours. Jesus asks us to read the Bible. He, say, he tells us to learn about him and his father. And if we do that, we'll get answers to the questions we looked at earlier. We need to build a, a meaningful relationship with Jesus. It's not enough just to receive or to accept Jesus. We need to seek him and to find him and then act upon this in repentance and baptism. And then we can be saved. Remember we had in Romans 6, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why we need Jesus in our life.